Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Hello and welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast. My name is Chris Howard and I am here today in the midst of the COVID crisis. Yes, we're still here. It's uh, week four or five. I think they're all blurring into one by now. And uh, I wanted to take today, take a little bit of time this, uh, this week to talk about digital learning. I think this is an interesting topic, actually, because in the current climate, you know, we've got such a large number of people uh, across all industries that are working from home. But then you've also got certain people on furlough as well. And for, for those people that remain in the business, for example, there's teams who, you know, they're having to work a little bit more intensely. And so what I wanted to do is take a bit of time today to talk about that learning side of it, because it's easy to almost see personal development and learning as uh, and digital learning as something that could be pushed to one side. But actually at this time you know it's really really important to be able to to make time for personal development and not to get bogged down into the minutiae of the day-to-day running of, of the job that you're doing particularly if it's so intensely as well but actually there's a second part of this which is the people that are on furlough when you're on furlough whilst you cannot be doing what your actual day-to-day work you can still be doing learning. You are still allowed to learn and to, to tool yourself up. And so this idea of digital learning for people on furlough is, is, is quite important as well. And that's what I wanted to take today to actually introduce um, our, our guest for today, which is um, a chap called Andrew Holmes, who works for an organization called Skillsoft. So Andrew, hello, how are you doing? I'm doing really well, thanks, Chris. Nice to speak to you. Yeah, nice to speak to you too. And as we were just saying, a little bit of sunshine outside helps as well. So that's always good. Definitely does. So again, today's pod focused on digital learning, e-learning, and uh, that's why I wanted to get you guys in from Skillsoft to have a chat with us. Um, Let's just do a quick precy, a synopsis of what you guys do at Skillsoft so that we can let the viewers know as to your area of speciality. Absolutely, Chris. So Skillsoft are a global leader in what we call the digital learning market. So we help learners right right across the globe um, develop their skills, accelerate their career paths um, in a variety of different um, topics right across the enterprise. So that could be technology skills, that could be acquiring new soft skills around communication, leadership skills, um, that could be more regulatory-based skills around compliance. So we provide that that um, di- digital learning content right across the enterprise uh, via our um, award-winning um, online technology platform. Award-winning? What awards have you won? Go on, let's do a little bit of a plug and then we'll talk about the number of it then. Uh, there's uh, there's a huge number of awards that we've been uh, given by organisations like Brandon Hall, um, there's far, far too far too many to to mention in, uh, in 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 one sentence, but they're all available on our website. In other words, go and check out the website, Chris. Okay. <laughs> cool. Before we talk about some of the uh, the details about, I want I wanted to have a chat with you about sectors that perhaps um, are embracing digital learning. But let's talk a little bit about the current situation because it is an unprecedented situation at the moment. I'm losing track of the amount of times that I've actually said it's an unprecedented situation on podcasts and webinars that we've been running. But can you just give me a bit of a flavor as to what you guys are seeing at the moment in the market, any changes that you've seen, you know, this new normal between the types of uh, people you were talking to and, and the experiences that they had 
maybe two months ago to to what's happening at the moment yeah absolutely it's i mean i think it's been a huge change uh for all of us um but we, we've particularly noticed that you know a lot of those trends that were perhaps um you know beginning to be quite prevalent when we think about how hr functions how learning and development functions were addressing the needs of their employees a lot of those needs um have, have been rapidly accelerated so you know, really, the the COVID nineteen experience has been something of a lightning rod uh, for mm. for the learning industry. So, you know, we already had you know perhaps a little bit of a collision course between you know where traditional HR and learning programs were. If there were a lot of them were based around maybe classroom training, uh, whereas we had employees that were actually increasingly not particularly tethered to a, an office location anymore. We had employees whose working hours were getting extended or juggling other other priorities. We had employees that are increasingly being asked to do more with less. So those employees are increasingly overwhelmed, distracted, impatient. So the time they had available for learning was very, very poor. Um, mm. So what that sort of led to was this cocktail of 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 demand and pressure for change. Um, that I think the COVID situation has has rapidly accelerated. So all, all of those things that employees were looking for, the ability to learn in a very short, sharp uh, way on the device of their choice at the time of their choice uh, that they had been asking organisations for, that message is now really beginning to hit home. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, the big change has been those organisations that were quite mature in their programmes have been able to manage this switch to working from home quite seamlessly, whereas those that were perhaps less mature and had only begun to dabble in digital learning have found that a much more difficult shift to to make very very quickly due to this sudden event. Yeah, I mean it's 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 interesting, isn't it? I mean, have you seen a lot of organisations that I don't want to say in desperation have had to suddenly pivot but i guess that is what i'm saying really I mean, are you seeing a real change in terms of uh, the mindset of some businesses that perhaps 6 months ago would have said yeah you know we probably need to get some you know improve accelerate our digital learning and the platforms that we use to almost being forced into it now and if so is there any particular sectors that you've seen that have, have stood out so far yeah, I think I think there's been two responses. You know, there's those industries that are, you know, regrettably hugely impacted by COVID-19. Um, you know, those industries will face a fight to to remain in business, um, you know, and, and hopefully with government support um, and, you know, and the right assistance, they will come through this period so that there are organizations that are literally unable to make any type of investments at the moment. But on the flip side, there's those organizations that are actually accelerating their transformation projects. So if they were thinking about some sort of digital learning program prior to this crisis, uh, now they are um, rapidly accelerating um, their, 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 their plans to do so. Um, you know, I think some examples would be if we think about, you know, perhaps the retail industry uh, where they've got a mix of white collar workers and blue collar workers. You know, often a lot of the blue collar workers who might be in store, they may have some learning and some training that's very, very job specific to the industry they're in. 
but there wasn't particularly a focus on the softer people skills side or the softer skills side. Well, what's happened in certain companies is that given that most retail organizations are now uh, closing or being forced to close their doors, mm. uh, that's a huge displacement uh, within their workforce. I'm thinking, you know, for example, of a, a company that we've done some work with, um, Deutsche Telekom, who yep. closed their stores on the 20th of March. And that's a displacement in Germany of about 100,000 workers overnight that aren't used to working from home. They may not even have laptops uh, to, to, to continue to do any sort of um, uh, work or duties from home. So that's a huge shift compared to, you know, for example, maybe a large investment bank where people may already be remote to some extent. Um, so organizations like that have had to react very, very quickly. And those are the organizations that have begun to wholeheartedly embrace the idea of digital learning. Mm. Um, and I think it will be interesting to see how organizations use this opportunity, you know, whether they give staff the chance to work on complementary skills during perhaps this furlough period or during when they're displaced and working from home. Um, interestingly, the company that I mentioned, Deutsche Telekom, they've actually approached it quite strategically. Um, so rather than just think in terms of keeping people occupied and giving them something to do, they've actually used digital learning to define some specific role-based paths. Mm. So they're they're training their people, customer service representatives, to go through an intentionally designed learning journey that can help them acquire all the skills that they would need to move up to customer services manager at some point within their career. Um, and they're managing that with regular check-ins on a weekly basis uh, via video-based uh, Zoom calls. Um, so they've reacted very, very quickly and using digital learning to perhaps develop a strategic advantage from when yeah. they emerge out of this crisis. That's really interesting because that then makes you think that actually this is almost forcing businesses to take a real close reflection of their sort of people development processes, whereas perhaps before maybe they'd have had a standardized way of, okay, in order to get from this point in your career to this point in your career, this has now almost helped them to fast track the the process that they've got. And uh, because of that sort of digital uh, learning ability, they can, they can improve on that. Um, so, you obviously talk to lots of companies um, as part of your role at Skillsoft, and you, you can see the types of businesses that perhaps are adopting this a little bit quicker than others. Are there any attributes? Are there any? Could you? I guess what I'm asking is, could you spot a business that is going to embrace this and be successful with their digital learning platform and adopting it throughout the whole of their workforce? Are there any traits that you tend to come across? I think where we're, where we're seeing a huge amount of uptake is that sort of mid-tier of companies where perhaps they have not yet fully embraced digital learning. So they've probably put a toe in the water and they have some capability around that, um, but they've yet to fully really embrace that. Um, and, and they've had those um, those workers suddenly displaced. So I would say, you know, it, it's probably, um, you know, industries around um, things like uh, retail, um, transport, manufacturing. There are industries that already had a higher degree 
of maturity, you know, particularly things like financial services, tech services. Um, but e even in tech services businesses where perhaps they're delivering a lot of projects and a lot of on-site, uh, you know, a lot of on-site engagement with clients that they can't do during this particular period, they're doubling down actually on, on their digital learning, particularly, you know, in terms of if we think about the rapidly evolving and fast moving world of, of of digital there's certainly an imperative for big tech services companies to make sure that they keep those skills current mm -hmm. um, so they're using the opportunity for people that perhaps billable resources that they can't get out into them into the market in front of clients at the moment to really double down on their technology learning to assure that when when we do emerge from this period of crisis then they haven't atrophied any of their skills or capabilities um, and, and they're best positioned to move very, very quickly when we do re-emerge from this current crisis. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. You kind of touched on that, and I think you touched on it earlier when we were talking as well. This idea of reskilling of people, I think, is something that's going to be quite massive. And I'm reading a lot of examples of that where you're getting organisations that have people you know, sitting at home and they want them to reskill because you're going to have situations where perhaps companies start looking at automation. So perhaps if you had a workforce that is customer services based in a certain way, you've then got companies that are now being forced because of the volume of demand that they're getting from uh, their customers, they're having to look at automation a little bit closely. And so therefore there's this idea of, okay, well, who's going to then support the development and the management of those automated processes? Do we need to reskill people that were doing a certain type of job so that now they can manage that automation process as well? Do you see, I mean, you've, you've mentioned the Deutsche Telekom example, but have you got any other examples that you can give us? Or have you seen any um, examples where that's happening? And is that happening quite a lot with your platform where you've got companies that are saying, right, well, we've got all of these people. We're going to now need to pivot slightly in a different direction. And we're going to need to reskill our people to do something a little bit different than they were doing before. Yeah, so um, in, in fact, Skillsoft, um, my organization, have done quite a bit of research in this area, and we've come up with a concept of uh, what we call a D-shape employee. So, you know, these are employees that have domain experience and domain skills for the line of business that they work in. They also have typically one deep technology experience uh, with a particular um, technology, but they then they have broad experience across the rest of the business and broad experience across um, other technologies as well. Um, the the sort of rationale behind this and where companies are seeing a lot of value is being able to deploy people quickly on business projects, you know, as and when demand emerges. And I think as we pull out of this. Um, you know, hopefully pull out of this current phase later in the year, there will be a lot of pent up demand for projects, uh, particularly technology projects. And that's when companies are going to think quite strategically about, OK, how do I best begin to pivot or shift the school, the skills portfolio that I have within my organization? And where can I quickly deploy them on what projects that, that will help us get back to growth? Um, because typically those will, will be in different areas than perhaps we were preparing for prior to the COVID 
um, crisis. So I think employers are going to look more and more for those types of agile focused employees that are multi-skilled, that have an ability to handle change that they can deploy quickly onto new business projects. Um, and those that have perhaps a single skill within one job related family will be in less demand. And hence, you know, a, a lot of the digital learning that we're providing to, to clients is around this theme of reskilling um, or cross skilling, or even a term that you may not have come across, uh, pre skilling, uh, would you believe? Um, which is, which is a, a, aimed, at, aimed at giving people. Um, the skills that they will need to meet future anticipated demand. Um, so this is something that some leading companies are thinking about quite creatively in terms of what, you know, what does their skills pool and what does their skills portfolio look like um, and how can they use that more widely across their business? You know, given that some tasks will be automated where, where are the value that these sort of multi-skilled and uh, skill soft, we call them the deep, d-shaped employee yeah. where can they be best deployed that's a fascinating insight that is and actually if i if i think about it it's it comes down to that kind of behaviors and the attitudes and the competence of the individual not just because they have skills in a certain i don't know program um because they've, they've been trained up on it but actually they've got the ability to be agile and and adaptable and if i think just a, a micro example in my own life i remember working uh, in one of my previous companies uh, I used to work in the recruitment uh, world uh, as a marketeer and I was hiring for a marketing person and some and the uh, the internal hiring team said to me what sort of person do you want what sort of skills do you want and what I actually said was do you know what I don't need them to be able to understand how to use MailChimp or understand how to use this CRM system because I can teach that what I really want is if they understand the sector, can understand the customers that we've got and can write good copy, then that's the starter for me. So it was more for me, it was not about that kind of they understand the the hard skills or the, you know, the software side. It was more their personality and their competency side that was actually fundamentally important. And HR people, recruitment people have been talking about this for years, but perhaps it's going to accelerate that thinking even more than it already is i think so and and it really sort of boils down to you know what what do companies think this this ideal uh, digital employee of the future will, will, will look like mm. really and they're actually quite different than the types of employees that we've been used to um, hiring into organizations or the the types of skills we've been used to prioritizing on cvs or in interviews uh, i think you're right it's it's much more around um, agile mindsets much more around design thinking um, much more around collaboration. These are the skills that companies are beginning to highly prize and highly mm. value and help develop within, within their people. Yeah, no, fascinating. So, okay, I'll put a hypothetical situation to you. I am a HRD of an organization that has, I don't know, let's say three to 5,000 employees. And we've just looked at our digital learning platform and it's, well, we don't really have one or we don't have a strategy in place for it. And I pick up the phone and give you a call and say, we've realized through this situation that we need to up our game quite considerably. I've got the money. How quickly can I uh, implement 
a system like that. Can you have it for me next week? <laughs> what sort of response are you giving me? And what what would you what advice would you be to this hypothetical HRD? <laughs> um, so so the so the first response would be yes, we 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 can help you, and in fact, we are helping companies with not you know not 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 quite as uh, not you know not not quite a, a requirement that's laid out in those terms but you know in, in actual fact that you know their challenge isn't that difficult it's you know how, how do i get something out um to my people to keep them engaged um to keep them learning and and to help them develop new skills so the sorts of things that you know we would be encouraging that organization to think about is you know, what what sort of skills and sort and what sort of roles are you planning for in you mm-hmm. know in the long term as much as anyone can do any sort of long-term planning at the moment so you know what, what sort of skills do you want what sort of talents do you want to develop what sort of behaviors are you trying to drive in your organization um, and then crucially what sort of experience do you want to give um, to your learners what do, what do you think is important to them? Um, because I think, you know, when we see projects poorly executed, there's an overfocus on the technology and, you know, perhaps the biggest mistake that, and I think vendors are guilty of it as well and moving too quickly into, into projects with, with customers. Um, but this concept of, you know, if we build it, they will come, but if there's no, if there's no alignment to that, um, to the individual, to the learner's career aspirations, then that's where these projects tend to get low returns. Um, so we would certainly encourage them to think in terms of, you know, what are the career aspirations and developments that are important to your people? What roles do you need to fill to fill what you will anticipate will your be your business demand as as we emerge from this crisis? And then you have a learning program. Um, that is supported by engaging and beautiful technology, but a learning program that's actually aligned to the personal ambitions of your workforce and the and and the companies, the organizationals requirements for for those roles to deliver on the projects that they think will be important to them. Um, and it's you know it's been interesting in the last sort of you know month or so we've we've begun to see personal values rapidly change as well. Mm. So. You know, um, a lot of the learning that um, is actually being undertaken at the moment um, on our platform, there's been a huge upsurge in things like well-being, uh, self-development. Yep. Um, and organizations have had to pivot on that and shift to provide uh, an overinvest in those types of programs. So, you know, certainly during this period of time, organizations don't want to come across or they don't want to be seen as the organization that isn't caring towards their employees there's been a been certainly a huge upswing in terms of how how important that is in in the experience to their learners it's not all around just providing you know new hard skills it certifications that can be monetized once we emerge from this crisis there's a there's a much more human element towards the learning that the learner is valuing and companies are recognizing um, that that will be a way of keeping their keeping and nurturing their best talent throughout this crisis yeah i think there's a few things that i'd probably pick up and echo and what you've just said there certainly from the well-being side we are 
hearing a lot from people that we talk to, HR teams that we talk to across a variety of different sectors. You know, we've we had a web, webinar as we are recording this. We had a webinar earlier on this week, which was looking at you know what happens beyond the current situation. But two weeks ago, we ran a webinar which was looking at where you're at right now, and a lot of people were asking, you know, what's other what are other teams doing? What are the HR directors doing around their well-being offering? So I think that. That's certainly something that that we've seen a lot of. And it was interesting what you were saying about, you know, employers are looking at the current situation and and looking at intently at you know, making sure that they're being seen to be caring about their employees. And we talk about that again in our 12 point plan for crisis management for HR teams that we've developed, which is uh, this idea of cultural congruence. You know, people are going to start to look at how their employer behaves and the leaders within the organization and that they're exhibiting and espousing the values of the organization because it's as you said people have changed their mindsets a little bit over this period and so there's there's a timer of reflections that's happening and and companies are going to be need to be aware of that but just going back to right at the start when you when you started when I asked you the question I think the key thing as well around the hypothetical HRD that comes to you and says you know, I've got the money, but I want this shiny new uh, software. We get this all the time where we we get asked to talk to businesses because they've been sold a fantastic bit of kit, which no doubt works brilliantly. But because they haven't really asked the why, you know, why do we need this? And they haven't done the, the thinking, the strategic thinking on that side. It then falls down and the vendor themselves are almost put in a difficult position because it's a, well, your kit doesn't work, but actually it doesn't work for the employer the, the business as well so definitely the the why is it was an interesting part so i've just got one more question i'll ask before we we wrap up today's uh, podcast it's prediction time so let's just fast forward to 2021 uh, what does what do you think from your perspective the digital learning space looks like uh, in 2021 a nice open broad question for you to, <laughs> to wrap up do i I, th I think companies will have taken uh, greater greater steps into digital learning, and I think that's going to be regardless of of industry and almost regardless of size. I think it will be a much more crowded playing field in terms of companies uh, will have increased the maturity that they have uh, in terms of those digital learning investments. I would like to think that that's going to become uh, the touch point for organizations to think much more critically around how they therefore drive the returns from those digital learning investments. I think, you know, cu currently up until this crisis, they've tended to measure return on investments in terms of cost avoidance or money saved from perhaps mm -hmm. other traditional training methods, classroom training, et cetera. And that is one metric but i think i think companies and also vendors uh, have to get better at, at working together to help them measure the return in terms of skills gained and how that impacts the projects that those skills then go on to support and service um, so i think we're at a point where in 2021 we'll have uh, wider deployment and greater adoption of digital learning across enterprises of all sizes. I would like to think, and my hope for 2021, if we all emerge from this crisis safe, uh, well and healthy, is that we can begin to move that conversation to more of a value-based one in terms of 
let's let's understand jointly vendor and enterprise how how we're helping to impact the projects that um, digital learning is helping um, upskill and equip your workforce for. Andrew, thank you very, very much for taking part in today's HR on the Offensive podcast. It's been really, really good chatting to you. Do you want to let the listeners know where you can be found on the socials? If you've got any socials on Twitter, I know you're on LinkedIn because I connected earlier. But <laughs> Chris, it's been, a, it's been a pleasure for me too. And, you know, a- absolutely. I can be found on uh, LinkedIn, Andrew Holmes, at Skillsoft. You can find me on Twitter, which is ahomes25. Uh, if you'd be um, interested in finding out a little bit more about Skillsoft, then do visit our website, skillsoft.com uh, forward slash perspectives, where you can uh, learn all about the global digital learning day that we have on the 13th of May. Brilliant. Thank you very much. This has been the HR on the Offensive podcast. We will catch up with you next week with another podcast. Uh, Just a final, Andrew, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks ever so much, Chris. Cheers, and we'll see you next time. 